0: Tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forests of the night, what immortal hand or eye could frame thy fearful symmetry? In what distant deeps or skies burnt the fire of thine eyes? On what wings dare he aspire? What the hand dare seize the fire? And what shoulder and what art could twist the sinews of thy heart? And when thy heart began to beat, what dread hand? What dread feet? what the hammer, what the chain, in what furnace was thy brain, what the anvil, what dread grasp dare its deadly terrors clasp? When the stars threw down their spears and watered heaven with their tears, did he smile his work to see? Did he who made the lamb make thee? Tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forests of the night, what immortal hand or eye dare frame thy fearful symmetry? The Tiger by William Blake.
1: Hello to all you lovely folks out there in the hinterlands. It's Rock, and as always, I'm here with my co-host Max, and We're going to be your guides as we traverse the halls of all things supernatural here at Nightmares and Daydreams.
0: Yes, welcome everyone. So
1: Max, before we get into it, let's thank all of our amazing listeners for a great second season. And to let them know, this will be the final episode of season two. So thanks, y'all. We appreciate all you guys and gals out there who take the time to hang out with Max and
0: myself. Absolutely, Rock. Our listeners rule. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks so much for your participation on all the social media platforms. And, you know, like Rock said, thanks for hanging out with us.
1: 100%. Also, gang, we'll be on hiatus for about a month
0: as we gear up for our third season. Just giving you all a heads up. And please continue to tell your friends about us. Just because we're in hiatus doesn't mean you can't keep listening, talking, sharing.
1: Sharing. Mm Mm-hmm. All that.
0: You know someone that'll like our show? Hit that share button. Let them know about nightmares and daydreams. Well said,
1: Max. And back to business.
0: Back to business. Well, as you all surely know by now, Rock and I are going to debate and discuss our way through all things paranormal, monstrous, and, most importantly, fun. But Max, do you know it's not fun? I'm like John Snow, Rock.
1: <laughs> exactly. You are a right bastard. Uh,
0: yeah, that's not exactly what I
1: meant. Just kidding, amigo. Anyone that knows you is aware that you know nothing. And you married a ginger wildling, (laughs) Max Snow. Okay, going off topic, Max, but what would be the name for bastard kids of nobles down here in Austin, kind of Game of Thrones style? Uh, Humidity?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Max (laughs) Humidity? Okay, (laughs) that is our subject, but could be fun. Could be. Okay, if Martin were taking in the local Austin flavor, I think he'd take in what's synonymous with Austin. True, true. Okay, here's your bastard name, Rock Lone Star. <laughs> nice. It is ubiquitous down here in
1: Austin. And it's the National Beer of Texas. All right. Okay. Now for your George Martin-style Austin, Texas name. Max Queso. <laughs> because you're a bit cheesy. Nice. And Queso's everywhere in this damn town. Or, you know, if we want to be, you know, cliched, Max Breakfast Taco. Awesome. Because those things are everywhere as well. Those are both... <laughs> very honorable names that any texas bastard would be proud to have you ain't lying man 100 percent. those are both honorable names okay now seriously back to business max do you want to know what's not funny what's not fun rock seeing a loved one in a dark forest and then they tear you apart with sharp claws because they were really a rakshasa in disguise that's not right nope not fun at all so we're talking about rakshasas today gang a classic demon Mm -hmm monster fiend maybe
0: either fiend or demons probably right it's a classic demon from hindu mythology as well as our beloved dungeons and dragons monster manual the information in that book has saved me more times than i can count <laughs> indeed i was almost taken out by a mountain dew can the other day turns out it was a mimic mm-hmm. you should have been uh, wary of that you're no noob but uh, i'm super
1: glad you rolled your deck save max but that's a podcast for another day Now, some of our loyal listeners will remember we have told a story about Rakshasas before. Yes, in our Swords of Legend episode. Yep, episode 18, one of my favorites. He was wielding the Chandrahas, the curved blade he received from Lord Shiva himself. Wasn't it a moon blade, Max?
0: Yeah, I think that's what Chandrahas translates to from the Sanskrit. Very cool. I guess we should say at the outset of this episode, since rakshasas are part of living religion, Mm -hmm. and most of our information is coming out of Hindu scriptures like the Ramayana.
1: Except when it comes from the Monster Manual, (laughs) which I go to first in our extensive research of monsters.
0: Yeah, true that. (laughs) But we just want to say that while we joke and kid with each other, we approach the subject and listeners' beliefs with sincere reverence and awe. Exactly. We truly love this lore, and all lore, and we always approach
1: each subject with credulity, open minds all that unless it's aliens
0: be quiet i for one welcome our reptilian overlords (laughs) (laughs) also as always we try our hardest to get the pronunciations and facts perfect but please call us out online if we don't we always want to hear from you with corrections or praise you can tell us that we've done something right if merited or even if not that's allowable too (laughs) (laughs) shall we continue
1: let's continue yes Since the intro poem wasn't specifically about Rakshasas, but was more in the spirit of them, uh, maybe we should
0: start with a story. Excellent idea. Let's hear a story. Here goes.
1: (laughs) They traveled on and the jungle grew stranger and stranger around them. The path wound around and seemed to never end. The trees were unfamiliar and dark, entangled with vines which climbed up and up as if they wanted to strangle the very sun. The birds were also unknown, and though strikingly beautiful, they screeched obscenely rather than singing melodiously. The jungle was oppressive, overwhelming, nothing like the peaceful groves of home. Suddenly their instincts sharpened and a great fear rose from within, shooting through their veins. Lakshmana, leading the way, pulled back his bow, an arrow already knocked. Sita whimpered softly and clung to Rama. Rama also pulled an arrow from his quiver and set it loosely in his bow. A pungent, musky odor drifted through the forest, which grew resoundingly silent around them. As they stood straining with all their senses, Heavy breathing rose up ahead of them and a dark figure emerged, blocking the way forward. A tiger skin was wrapped loosely around his waist. His red eyes glowed and curved fangs protruded from his sneering mouth. He held a trident in his hand, with a dead animal on each tie, putrefied and covered in flies. He was a rakshasa and twenty feet tall. Before they could move, he was upon them. He snatched up Sita, hissing, Your destiny is at hand, for I am Marada, king of this jungle. He peered at them. You must be madman to be in the jungle with a luscious woman, but I'll take her and consume you. Sita trembled in his clutch, and Rama held still, fearing to move because the Rakshasa held her. But Lakshmana defied him, Fiend, you are the madman to have crossed our path. You don't know us, but you will die at our hands today. Virada called out. Tell me who you are and why you are here at the heart of Dandakavana, the demon forest. Rama spoke softly. We are kshatriyas from the house of Ikshvaku, but tell us more about yourself, magnificent one. The Rakshasa laughed. (laughs) I am the son of Jaya and Satrarada. By Rama's blessing, I am invincible to every weapon in heaven and earth. Your puny arrows and tiny swords cannot slay me, odd little princess, and I will slake my thirst with your blood today. Quick as thought, Rama fired off seven arrows into the body of the fiend, eagle feathered and tipped in gold. The shafts burned hot like fire, and the rakshasa screamed, but the weapons did not slay him. They burned away like twigs and fell to ash, smoking. With a roar, Bharata threw Sita aside and, rushing the princes, he snatched them up in his massive arms and strode away with them into the jungle. Don't leave me, cried Sita. Lakshmana drew his blade and sliced off Bharata's left arm, while Rama severed his right. The demon roar was like the shouts of an army. Dark blood poured from his wounds and they struck him again with their swords. But he only screamed and cursed at them. He would not die. Weapons cannot kill him, yelled Rama. We must strangle him. They held him down together and latched their hands around his massive throat. He twisted like a panther, but the princes were strong, and finally the demon's eyes rolled up and his tongue lolled out from his fanged mouth. And once more, silence reigned in the jungle. Good story, but everyone knows Blessed Arrows can
0: slay a Rakshasa. It's like common knowledge. (laughs) That's old school D&D rules. Of course, 5e says they're vulnerable to, quote, piercing from magic weapons wielded by good creatures, end quote. Well, I guess that rules out most of the characters that you've played over the years, huh? (laughs) Good thing I mostly DM nowadays. Also, 5e, fake, says I. 5 is not that bad. I kind of like 5e, actually.
1: Hey, let's bring back the Thacko <laughs> and return to the grand days of second edition when a wizard could only use a dagger and all halflings receives The good old days. No, thank you. Embrace some new ideas, Grandpa. All right, moving on. You know, it's interesting that in the original lore, no weapons could harm them. Makes them kind of invulnerable.
0: Yeah, it makes it pretty tough. You have to go hand-to-hand against a massive fiend. I wonder where the blessed arrow thing came from, though. Well, on the TV show Supernatural, they say that rakshasas can be hurt by a weapon of pure brass. Okay, like, what the hell is pure brass, as opposed to impure brass? Exactly. There's actually no such thing. Brass is an alloy of copper and zinc. It's a mixed metal by definition. Look at you, Mr. Schmarty
1: Pants. <laughs> that was obviously written by Rakshasa propagandist.
0: <laughs> we're calling you out, Sarah Gamble. Yeah. We love you because you're the showrunner for The Magicians, but we're disappointed in you for apparently being bought off by the Rakshasa lobby during your supernatural days. Show is sad. Yeah, according to supernatural TV lore, Rakshasas appear in human form, feed on human flesh and can make themselves invisible, and they cannot enter a home without first being invited. All right, let's not go too far, okay? They aren't vampires. Yeah, it seems like some artistic license was taken during the making of that show.
1: And most shows, but yeah, you know, the spirit of it was pretty close, and they eat human flesh, which according to the legends is true.
0: Yeah, but it says they only need to eat, like, every 20 or 30 years. In real life, they're supposed to be ravenous. True. Just wrote them to fit the plot, it seems. I hate it when they do that good show most of the time
1: though definitely actually really like supernatural yeah definitely man it's been around forever i think both of those cats live in austin yeah speaking of tv shows Kolchak the night stalker old school yeah he hunted a rockshasa once
0: yeah i saw that episode uh ralphie's dad went after him and he kept appearing to people as someone they cared about a lot and then bam Ralphie's dad, man, Darren McGavin. Love it. Uh,
1: Yeah, apparently the Rakshasa had some sort of mind-reading ability, but in the end, he was no match for good
0: old camera-wielding fearless reporter Kolchak. (laughs) Some artistic license again, but I think that one was actually a lot closer to the true lore. I think you're right, yeah. And I think there was an Outer Limits episode where they talked about Rakshasas as well. Really? Sort of, but not really. They kind of just lumped him in with other things as kind of a boogeyman monster. That's kind of disgraceful. He deserves his own, you know, spotlight. I agree, 100%. There are plenty of boogeymen out there without lumping other beings in with the lot. Also, it was the 1990s Outer Limits. That's yeah, fake. You're losing all credibility with me, Max. Sorry, Rock. I didn't mean to disappoint you.
1: <laughs> well, don't let it happen again.
0: Well, okay. Not in the TV show. Well, not yet, at least. But in American Gods by Neil Gaiman, there are Rock sasas. Nice.
1: And you know, Gaiman's going to do it right because that's how heroes. Yeah, they were the ones that were with Callie, right? Yeah, it's been a long time since I read that book, but that's how I remember it. Also in World War Z. Great movie. Yes. In World War Z, the Indians called the zombies Rakshasas. Also, fun fact Mel Brooks' son, whose name is Max, wrote World
0: War Z. And as we stated last season, we love us some Mel Brooks. He's awesome. Almost 95 years old, still sharp as a tack. Yep. I thought it was interesting that the Indians called all the zombies Rakshasas. And Mm -hmm. not unreasonable, I don't think, that that could happen in that situation.
1: Yeah, I think that could happen if there were ever a zombie apocalypse. I just got to
0: make sure I have enough
1: Twinkies. (laughs) Nice Zombieland reference. Okay, back on track, back on track. Okay, any other references? No X-Files or Millennium episodes?
0: I can't think of any, but actually, you asked a good question earlier. Like, where did TSR or whoever come up with the Blessed Arrow thing? Was it just an arbitrary choice, or was there some lore behind it?
1: You know, now that I think of it, maybe it comes from the death of Ravana.
0: Oh, dang, I think you're right. Yeah? Let's hear the story. I'm on it.
1: The joyous shouts of Rama's army was enough to convince Ravana of his son Megnad's death. Breaking down in his chamber, Ravana felt defeat was already his. Yet he had to fight on, alone. He prepared for the bloody battle ahead. Ravana mounted his chariot and went charging to the battlefield. At once, Ravana fired his fearful arrows at Lakshmana, and Lakshmana dropped as if dead. Finally, he stood face to face with Rama, While both were equals in strength and bravery, one was virtuous, the other evil. The gods anxiously watched to see the outcome of this legendary battle. Ravana looked fearsome with his ten heads and twenty arms. Rama shot one arrow after another to cut off his heads, but after every shot it would grow back again. He was awestruck. He then shot another series of arrows at Ravana, but he laughed seeing them. Rama grew anxious. The gods who were watching from above asked Indra to help. Indra sent his celestial chariot driven by Matali to help Rama. As the chariot descended on earth, Rama quickly climbed it and started firing weapons. Matali then asked Rama to use the Rama Shastra, an arrow blessed by Brahma himself. Rama took up the weapon, chanted Parvati's name, and aimed it at Ravana's heart. The potent weapon pierced his body, and Ravana fell dead. Loud cheers echoed through Lanka. Flowers were showered from the heavens above. The gods announced the end of Ravana. Vibhissana refused to do the last rites, but Rama explained that he was after all a brother and had died like a warrior too. So Ravana deserved a proper funeral.
0: There you go, the blessed arrow. Yep, exactly. Blessed by a god no less. So they expanded that to include all Rakshasas then? To be fair, they all seem to be pretty immune to weapons. True. Can we talk a minute about what
1: Rakshasas look like? You know, Max, it kind of sounds like they can look like whatever the hell they want. Yeah, true. But they have a true form too, I think. Well, let's talk about it. Reading from my first edition monster manual. Known first in India, these evil spirits encased in flesh are spreading. They are fond of a diet of human meat, and as masters of illusion, they can easily gain this end. Rakshasas are able to employ ESP and then create the illusion of what those who have encountered them deem friendly. They can then withhold attack until their prey can be taken off guard. It goes on from there, but I won't ruin it for you DMs out there still rolling at old school. It's pretty close to the Kolchak version, I guess. Interesting. Yeah, you know, I wonder if they were riffing off of this. Like, is the 5e
0: version a lot different? I told you about the vulnerabilities, which are very different. Here's some of the description. The Rakshasa employs delicacy and misdirection in its pursuit of dominion over others. Few creatures ever see the fiend in its true form, for it can take on any guise it wants. Its true form combines the features of a human and a tiger, with one noteworthy deformity. Its palms are where the backs of its hands should be on a human. Ah, uh-huh, yeah, there you go, the
1: backward hands. That was an old D&D too, even though I didn't see it in the monster manual. Those are my kind of monsters, Max.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was definitely there. I think the old description was closer to the real thing in some ways. I don't know about the ESP thing, but otherwise... Yeah, and the craving for human flesh, which seems like a very important aspect in the actual lore. 100%. But in terms of actual physical description, there seems to be a lot of variation in the original sources. For example... In the stories we just heard, Virata is 20 feet tall and dark-skinned with glowing eyes and has fangs. He has a tiger skin wrapped around his waist, but otherwise is humanoid, right?
1: Yeah, maybe that's how he changes shape, like a selkie or something. Using that tiger skin as the selkies use a seal skin, maybe. Ooh, selkies. (laughs) Settle down with your freakish selkie fantasies. And yeah, you've already told me that you're part selkie. So, uh, shifting back to Rakshasa's, you know, it seemed like he wasn't really trying to disguise his true form when he was in butt-kicking mode. And it is interesting how they added that tiger detail. Maybe because he's
0: so badass, he just kills tigers no problem and wears their skins. And tigers are pretty cool. They are, and that could be. But in my book, Rakshasa's will always
1: have a tiger aspect. I hear you. I like that idea, too. Maybe let's look at other Rakshasas in the text. So, Ravana, the king of the Rakshasas, has 10 heads and 20 arms. Just like a tiger. (laughs) The very rare Sri Lankan demon tiger, yes. What about Ravana's sister, Shurpanaka? Maybe you should tell us about her. Shurpanaka. That's a good name. Maybe I will.
0: One day, Shurpanaka, the Rakshasi, arrived in Panchavadi. She was the spoiled sister of the Emperor of Lanka, whose power spread like a sickness through the world. By fate, Surpanaka, while hunting, came to the grove at Panchavadi. She smelled humans and approached quietly, and spying Rama from behind a tree, she was immediately smitten with his beauty. She could not stop staring. Her heart stood still at his godlike beauty. She had never seen anyone like him. Surpanaka wanted him for herself. She longed to touch his face and clasp him to herself. She wondered who this was as lovely as Kamadeva, the god of love and desire and just as dark. But Surpanaka was an ugly Rakshasi. Years of devouring human flesh had bloated and aged her. Her voice was harsh and her eyes were cunning and cruel, not to mention the fangs that protruded from her lips. But she was a mistress of illusion, and could appear in any form she chose, though she couldn't change the evil in her soul. Quick as thought, she changed herself into an angelic beauty, and ravishing, came up to the princes in the camp. She ignored Lakshmana and Sita, but came to Rama fluttering her lashes and swaying her hips, and bending low to expose her cleavage. Who are you, stranger? she asked seductively. How have you come to this place of Rakshasas, when obviously you're no Rakshasa yourself? Rama knew what she was with a look in her cunning eyes. I am Rama, son of Dasaratha, and I have come to live in the jungle for fourteen years. This is my brother Lakshmana and my wife Sita. And who are you? You belong here, I think, for you're a Rakshasi. She blushed and giggled. I'm no ordinary Rakshasi, Rama. I'm every bit as noble as you. I'm Surpanaka, Ravana of Lanka, emperor of the world, is my brother. But that is beside the point, my beautiful prince. Fate brought me to you, and the instant I saw you, I knew I must marry you. You are the handsomest man I've ever seen. I have illusion magic and can be as beautiful as you want. I am powerful and will look after you. We are meant for each other. What can this pale slip of a girl do for you? At best, she is worthy of being my breakfast. Amused, she laughed at her joke. Rama said, Exquisite Surabhanaka, I'm a married man and love my wife. I don't think a great princess like yourself could settle for being my second wife, but my brother Lakshmana is unwed and younger and handsomer than I. He would be a perfect husband for you, and you would have him all to yourself. Surpanaka turned to look at Lakshmana and saw that he was handsome as well. She admired his rippling muscles on his arms and chest. Lakshmana, she said, we shall be happy together in the Dandakavana. Let's be married. But Lakshmana was unconvinced and protested. I'm only my brother's man. How will someone of your status be content with a mere servant? You should persuade my brother more. Use your illusion magic. Better to be his second wife than the wife of one such as I. Woo him, Surpanaka, and surely he'll leave his pale wife for you. Surpanaka was convinced by his argument and returned to Rama. You reject me for this pale hag? I'll devour her and we can be happy together. At this, Rama leapt up and rushed at the Rakshasi and grabbed her. He drew a sword and cut off her ears and nose and dark blood spurted from her face. Screaming in shock, she dropped her illusion. In fiendish form, she fled into the forest. The brothers laughed, but Sita trembled in fear for she foresaw a great evil coming from this incident.
1: You know, Max. Yeah? I have to say, Rama and Lakshmana
0: are both horrible in this story.
1: Are we sure they're the heroes here?
0: Yeah, I have to agree. They're pretty terrible. She was obviously evil and wanted to eat his wife, but they also
1: treated Surpanaka pretty
0: viciously. It
1: seems like she really liked them, and they were
0: just messing around with her, and then just went off on her and attacked her. Well, she said she was going to eat Sita, but they could have just driven her away or something. Mm, true. However... However what? However, the main point of reading that story, well... Well, the original point we were going to see what it said about how she looked it was not super flattering no although if it was written by the victors of the epic maybe it's of questionable reliability on that note okay but what did it say well let's see she has what they call maya or illusion magic so she can look like anything she wants
1: true and that negates the selkie skin theory i had earlier but it fits the DD model though exactly dnd has this one dead on I guess it mostly said that eating human flesh had aged her and made her bloated and gnarly.
0: Makes me think of an
1: ogre or something. I don't know, Max. Fiona's kind of cute in the Shrek universe, right? (laughs) (laughs) Your secret crush? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so going back to the Rakshasa, she has beady, cunning eyes, which, you know,
0: is not really a good look for anyone. But she said she would look like anything you want. I wouldn't want her to cook dinner for me, though. <laughs> well, you can cook your own dinner. She
1: still needs to stay out in my kitchen. I better not find any human drumsticks in the larder. You know what I'm saying? In the larder? You know, Max, I like to keep it old school, like along with the milkman, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, it's all organic. I also salt the meat to preserve it, you know? <laughs> hey, better for the environment. Exactly. I think we may have exhausted this topic, Rock. You know, I think you might be right, amigo. And we appreciate all you lovely listeners for spending time with us today.
0: Yes, we really appreciate it. And if you like what we're doing, please head on over to your podcast platform, especially if you're an Apple user, and rate and review us. Yes, party people, please take that
1: moment. It means a lot to us. I know we say it so often, but it really does. Show your nightmares and daydreams love, why don't you? also head over and check out our new youtube channel i know some of you saying about time but better late than never we're adding some cool stuff that's in addition to our podcast
0: episodes so like and subscribe y'all also visit us on social media give us a tweet find us on facebook visit our website nightmarespodcast.net and maybe pick up some cool merch hey you know we could all use more buttons stickers and magnets right y'all
1: come on Absolutely, always. So the music is by Teresa Joy. Find and follow her at VioBright V I O B R I T on Facebook and Instagram, and visit her own website at teresajoymusic.com and pick up some of her lovely jams. So, Maxim, looking at you, you look done. Are we done? We're done, right? Well, you heard the man, people. And as always, sweet
0: dreams.